Welcome, friends, back to Mind Games, a sellout crowd production. I'm Garen Emig, host of the show. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'm glad you're along for the ride. Hope you continue to support us, whether it's uh, the podcast form or on the website, selloutcrowd.com. Catch my work there. All of my colleagues continue to, uh, to pound away at sports, a lot of uh, basketball now as we get into winter. And uh, I'm going to talk about basketball with my special guest before we leave you. Uh, we're still hitting football pretty hard. We're going to lead with football here on Mind Games today. Try to get you to think about some things that are happening, not just uh, react to them. Um, and um, we'll we'll do that with my with my guest, good friend of the program, good friend of all of us here at uh, Sellout Crowd. Uh, before we talk to Eli, let me thank some sponsors of the show as we move uh, deeper into 2024. Midfirst Bank is still with us. Thank you so much. Very, very happy that uh, that they're on board. The National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum. Two fellas movers. New Year's resolution. I want to meet the two fellas. It's yeah, not there's enough. Only two? There's only two? I got to. Well, there's got to be two so. at the top, right? I mm -hmm. mean, let's let's meet at least two of the two, two fellas. Of the fellas. How about okay. we do it that way? Yeah. Let's do that. Next Gen Roofing. FireLakeJobs.com, 988 Oklahoma's Mental Health Lifeline, and Oklahoma Ford Dealers. Drive in your vest. I should have. The, I, I'm, I've got second New Year's resolution, doing it without a script. Mm. Doing, the, doing the ad read without a script. You can do it. Um, drive in your vest in Oklahoma Ford Dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Eli Letterman, uh, no stranger to any of our shows at SellOutCrowd.com, returns to Mind Games. About time I, we, we had you back on, my friend. It's good to see you. It's always good to see you. Well, I appreciate you having me back on. I have two initial thoughts before we dive into anything you want to talk about. One, of course, you, know, you talk about two fellas. You ever been to a Five Guys, the burger joint? Several times. You go in there. There's always more than five guys working. <laughs> I'm just glad. <laughs> I'm just glad for every guy that they have at Five Guys, they give you like 100 French fries. That's true. The That's ratio, their guys to French fry ratio is off the hook. It's the uh, the burgers fine, the fries make five mm. guys what it is. That's that's for another, and that perhaps will be a future mind games episode. You, you do just, have to take out like a small business loan though for a meal there. Uh, that's that's it turns into like a twenty seven dollar burger. And if you are in the five guys versus in and out crowd, that's going to be the first. Default mm. to In and Out, right? Because I don't think you have to mortgage a house to eat In no. and Out. Doesn't go down as well, I don't think. But well, I'll say this: I think I ate In and Out with you, or for the very first time with you. We were in Dallas. I forget what road trip we were on. Yeah. Might have been from Austin in the 2021 season. But point is, I had In and Out for the first time with you. Was right. underwhelmed by the fries for the first time with you. Most people are. Uh, yeah, it tends to be the case. All right, my second point, since I know you won't bring this up. But one of the people on this podcast is the Oklahoma Sports Writer of the Year, according to the National Sports Media Association. <laughs> it's not me. And as such, I did bring some silverware for you. Now, this isn't officially sanctioned. Um, I also can't give it to you. And I also can't even tell you where it came from. But in honor of your honor, congratulations to the Oklahoma Sports Writer of the Year, Garen Emick. First of all, thank you. Second of all, uh, you swiped that from a Switzer Center trophy case, didn't you? Is, is that is that that's like on level four, the one that hardly anyone sees, and they just like put, you know, they don't even put they don't even put that trophy under lock and key. It's just there for the taking, and you took it. Tell the truth. 
where I swiped this from is a story for off air. I can assure you it is not from the Switzer Center. But I it was swiped from somewhere. But again, that is a story for off air or uh, some other edition of Mind Games. That uh, that looks like you know like the Parcheesi Bowl that OU won in between <laughs> in, be, in between Wilkinson and Switzer or Wilkinson and Fairbanks, like in sixty five ish or something like that. So you're anyway. deflecting. Congratulations. I am deflecting. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, I'll I'll say this. Very fortunate to be doing this with my friends and colleagues at Mind Games uh, and SellOutCrowd.com. That includes you. That includes our, our dear friend, Jacqueline Musgrove, who's part of this show as much as we are. She's the one making it happen, getting it on the air, Michael Lane, Michael Martin, the whole crew. Um, that's, the, that's the win. So let's, let's, just, uh, let's just leave it at that. Uh, I want to talk about basketball, and in particular, I want to ask you about what you did while the Sooners and Jayhawks were playing basketball uh, over last weekend. You, uh, you, you did write an OU story that day, but it was for something much more important than than uh, Kansas beating OU. Uh, and, and I do want to hit on that before we, we wrap up. I do want to have a little fun down the stretch of the show. But since this is Oklahoma, we are, I believe, contractually obligated to leave with football. And I'm with football. Yeah, and I'm wondering, Eli, I brought you on with the idea of talking about all the coaching movement. And then, like, I, I looked at a tweet about 15 minutes before airtime from, I think it was uh, – Stuart Mandel, maybe one of the athletic guys, a big fan of the athletic. I don't, I don't hide that. Um, essentially took a red marker to the entire Washington Huskies depth chart because <laughs> of the, of the portal. Alabama's lost, I think just about as much since Nick Saban's retirement. Uh, and so I, I don't know whether to lead with the coaching carousel and the changes that we typically see at the end of any football season, even though, we're still absorbing the news of Nick Saban's retirement, or if we should start with the the fury these changes have have wrought on depth charts because uh, the playoff teams could wait, their players could wait to jump into the portal after after the window closed, and boy are they ever! What has your attention more, the the player movement or the coaching movement? Well, I think obviously, like the attention over the last week has been about Nick Saban, about Kalen DeBoer about Jed Fish and all the movement, essentially that Nick Saban's decision to retire, and I, I don't know that there was a, another time he could have done it, but the decision to announce his retirement in late mm -hmm. January, the havoc that is wreaked uh, on college football, and that's everything from coaches being hired this late, you know, the semester has started on a lot of campuses, uh, the portal, as you mentioned, I mean, guys just flooding. I, I think what will be an interesting component there, because you can take a red marker to uh, the depth charts at, at Alabama and Washington, for instance, right now, I'm curious to see how many guys come back because it, you know, anyone who enters the portal right now presumably could return to the program they're leaving. I mean, they, uh, in terms of legally or however you want to put it, they can, whether Kalen DeBoer at his new program or Jed Fish at his new program will allow their players back. That's program policy. But you'd imagine as these programs, relatively speaking, get ravaged, they will be welcomed back. So I think, you know, that's going to be one piece of it. But for me, um, there are the names and there are the, there's the movement. And then there's what the last week of college athletics and college football has shown us about the sport we cover, the sport we love, the, the sport thousands tune into on Saturdays and follow for 12 months of the year. Because I, I think you could, there's no name bigger than Nick Saban. But after that, you could, you could switch the names and switch the schools involved. But 
the lessons here or, or kind of just what we've seen about the sport in the last week, I, I think to me is the most telling part. Meaning it's gotten, it was always a little transient. Are you saying that it's gotten so much so that it's, 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 are we, are we, are we saying unrecognizable or are you, are you making a, a deeper point than what I'm, what I'm trying to well, from? Depends on how you've recognized it, perhaps the sport in the past. I, I think I come at it from a viewpoint of I cover the sport and I cover but inherent in covering the sport now is inherent in covering the transfer portal and player movement and NIL and all that. Right. A lot of stuff that fans uh, of all generations complain about uh, player movement, loyalty, instant gratification. Um, mm -hmm. Mike Gundy's long been outspoken on this kind of stuff in the state. Um, and some of it's probably fair. But at the same time, we've seen a coach in Kalen DeBoer, you know, Bolt when he did, Jed Fish, a coach that we were around in San Antonio, uh, who, you know, it was actually Brent Venables, I look back, who really spoke about how impressive the retention was and the connection yeah. Yeah. and convincing guys to stay. It wasn't Jed Fish sitting there saying, we've done this, but that was a part of it. And I'm sure a part of Jed Fish keeping guys on that roster um, was about making some sort of promise. And seeing that disintegrate in a few days is, I'm sure, a shame for a lot of the guys on those rosters. I don't begrudge Kalen DeBoer or Jed Fish or uh, the San Diego State coach who's now at Arizona, whose name is escaping me right now. It is simply the fact that this is a business. Yeah. And the coaches treat it as a business, as they should. Then let's lay off the players because yeah. they're doing only what the coaches in front of them are doing as well. That's right. Uh, Jenny Carlson, our friend and colleague uh, with Sellout, wrote a really, really good piece. Um, he hit the nail on the head. Was it her newsletter? I, th I don't know if it was her newsletter or uh, I, th I think we've posted it on it does, whether it was a newsletter or a column. It's it's mm -hmm. I'm, I'm almost positive it's on the site. Uh, we'll make sure it is if it isn't. Uh, but I uh, encourage you to read what Jenny wrote, because, you yeah, know, you're right. She's right. And it it he, to me, Eli, what what's happening here? Is that we're, 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 we're if if the movement in reaction, the player movement in reaction to the coach movement is is severe and it's driving fans nuts. Mm -hmm. And I understand that, but it's also nailing down the reason why the portal came to be in the first place. This was all about trying to balance the power when it comes to college uh, football in particular, really college sports. But since we're talking about football, we'll just make it football giving players some of the same freedom and options that their coaches have. And I know that people will default from that to, well, players aren't under contract. Coaches are, right? So it, that's, it, it literally is a business for them, not so much for the players. You can, you can officially go there, but then if you're, unless you're sticking your head, you know, 10 feet down into the, the sand at, uh, at the Pacific, um, you you've got to realize that that it's a business much a business for the players as it is the coaches and it has been for a long time it's just more out in the open right now and so what the portal has done is again given players a little bit more uh to swing back uh used to swing back with they're going to players have always lost coaches players have always been able to transfer as a result of coaches leaving it just has been very inconvenient and difficult for them to do it. And it was that way for a long, long time. And it was sort of gross that it was that way for as long as it was. Now it isn't. And 
all this cycle, this hiring cycle, and the transfer activity that has come as a result of it has reinforced the idea that if the portal has spun a little bit out of control as a result of its of its uh, coming into being, let's not forget the reason it was brought into into being to, to begin with, and it was to balance uh, balance this, this 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 scale, which it has done. Yeah, I mean that, that that's where however many minutes in, that's where that's my big feeling on this, mm-hmm. the, the, the broader narrative around what the last week has taught us. I thought Jenny's column encapsulated so much of what I was sitting here mm-hmm. thinking and feeling watching this. It's, it's not, um, you know, I, I, you know, it cuts both ways. You, you feel bad for the guys in that Washington locker room or, or in that Arizona locker room who, again, many of them probably were enrolled for this semester, came back under certain promises and that flipped on its head in a matter of days. Um, but that too is the business part of this. But again, it's simply that, um, you know, this business of college football, the Jimmy Sexton-ification of college football, um, is just so clearly dominating the sport, irrespective of the academic calendar, which Mm -hmm. at this point, the academic end of college athletics, or at least major college football, Mm -hmm. is beyond an afterthought. But it's, it's then that world that the athletes exist in that seems to be under different rules. Right. Something else to keep in mind, and you made a very clear, and I want to make sure everyone heard it. These guys don't necessarily have to have to leave just because they've they've entered their names in. Why wouldn't anyone do that? I think I think uh, yep. Gabe Eichardt, Gabe Eichardt is a pretty thoughtful guy, former OU uh, center, who's you know part of the network crew now, really active on social media. You should follow him if you if you don't because he makes some salient points more often than he doesn't. He essentially said that, I think, yesterday. He said, why, why wouldn't you? If this is your option now, why wouldn't you at least explore to see what, 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 what's out there for you? You don't have to jump off. Maybe the guys at Washington fall in love with Jed Fish, like these players at Arizona seem to. Maybe the guys at Alabama fall in love with Kalen DeBoer, like the guys at Washington seem to. In the meantime, there is, there's, this, this isn't a mutiny, necessarily. And even if they don't come back, it's not mutiny. It's just players ex- exercising rights that they should have had all along. Yeah, and that so that I guess is is that bigger question. I, I can't even now think of where we started on this, but that that's to me of the fallout of the last week, irrespective of who landed where mm-hmm. and who got uprooted and things like that. That's where I've been, where where my mind has has been mulling. For you, what interested you most about? whether it was the search around uh, the Alabama job and the rash of extensions that came from it uh, or Kalen DeBoer heading there, uh, the offshoot of Jed Fish and then Arizona having to fill a, a role. What, what interested you most in, in the whole deal? I don't, I don't know if anything – I think it was sort of familiar, Eli. The script has, has, there, has been there. We, we all, I think, figured that Sarkeesian was going to get a fat raise if he didn't go to Alabama. Right, which which he's in line mm-hmm. to do, according to reports out of Austin. Uh, Mike Norvell, Florida State, same things coming his way. Jim Harbor doesn't take the uh, the offer from whatever NFL team decides to offer him. Assuming that happens, I assume that he'll make almost uh, twelve million a year to to be the uh, head coach still at Michigan. That game's been played forever. That wasn't different. Um, I. He, I, again, I think what makes this what makes this uh, seem feel, seem and feel different is this is one of the first big waves where you had a, a uh, you know a, a touchstone moment like Saban's retirement create some ripples, and the ripples weren't just felt 
by coaches, but again, by players and, and they reacted to it as they should. And, and again, we, we've, we've touched on, on that story. Um, I liked, you know what I liked just, just from a bit, I don't know if anyone listening is, is going to care as much, but it's my show. So I'm going to say it anyhow, you know, in the, in, in the old days, you were on the beat and you were uh, covering a coach who was rumored to be taking another job and you sat there and lost all your hair and your nerves trying to figure out if he was going to take the, take the gig. Now all you got to do is dial up the coach's social media account mm-hmm. because, right. Cause they're producing a two minute video to, an, to announce that we're just getting started. Right? <laughs> or, it's a shame. Dan Lanning must've, he must've missed out on the, the award season submission deadline because <laughs> the video he put out was next level. Uh, to announce he was staying. You're right. The Hey, those support staff teams uh, and the creative teams are getting good work when these uh, yeah. coaches are lining up even fatter extensions to, to stick around. Hey, I, I'll bring this to, back to Norman before we leave football behind, uh, since that's that's the team you cover for us and the team I write about quite a bit. We had a sense that Brent Venables was, was doing pretty well for himself in terms of player retention even leading up to the, the Alamo Bowl, coming out of the Alamo Bowl, when we started to figure out all of, all of the players, especially on defense, who were coming back to build on the foundation from, from Brent's first two years there. Now to see you know, the wrecking ball that's been taken to, again, some playoff rosters, do you not feel even better about not just this roster for 2024 and uh, the, the potential for a next step taken, especially by Stutzman and Bowman and Downs and those guys on defense. But Eli, do you not feel better about the Sooners' prospects in the bigger scale on a on a bigger scale, a grander picture uh, in the SEC based on what's going on? It's funny that to consider or to call it relative stability in Norman when we're talking about replacing a starting quarterback and two coordinators. But um, plenty of programs would take the stability OU has right now which is going to be returning a bunch of starters on defense bringing in portal guys which you know at this point you know I think this is something that's been asked about so often in the early part of the portal era especially as it's ramped up but we ask coaches uh, what's the challenge of getting guys in at this point like we know like they know how to integrate new guys into their program Uh, ideally if you're an OU fan or if you're Brent Venables you're getting better at identifying guys to bring in and and fine-tuning that recruiting process out of the portal point being for all the movement in norman and there's tons guys leaving going two new coordinators brand new starting quarterback they're in better shape than a lot of programs mm-hmm. um and that was the case in early january and it's certainly the case in mid-january now that there's been another shake up and another go around on the coaching carousel so i do think um you know easy enough are the prospects for that November game with, with Alabama and Norman a little different now, right? Knowing Nick Saban right. won't be there, knowing yeah. that who knows, Alabama is not going to be uh, a four win team next year. They can probably do a lot of work, either re-recruiting their guys who've hit the portal this week or uh, that spring portal. I'd imagine that Alabama will be a popular destination. So they're, they're going to be retooled and, and mm-hmm. Kalen DeBoer hasn't done a lot of losing anywhere. Right. So they won't be, uh, the little giants coming to Norman <laughs> next fall, but it's a different proposition now uh, by the same token, Missouri and Ole Miss have probably had two of the better transfer classes uh, of the season and they've both retooled well. So 
the movement everywhere has, you know, and and still could impact what the schedule really looks like next year. But when you think about a 12 team playoff and some of the teams Oklahoma should be competing for in that pool, uh, they're among the more stable programs. And, you know, I don't think you really had to think much about uh, whether Brent Venables was, was going to be going anywhere. I know I gave it a uh, cursory thought at one point last week of just how much do I need to think about? How far would they need to go down their list to look for Brent Venables? But that was never, uh, I don't think, any issue for OU. So hanging on to your head coach at this yeah. point in time and hanging on to most of your roster anymore tends to be um, a pretty decent offseason when in the past that would have been just the bare minimum. And if we've discussed on this show and yours, the Letterman jacket, Venable's acceptance, I don't think he embraces the portal. That's too strong, isn't it? But he accepts it, right? He accepts the fact that you have to work it. You have to come out ahead. We've talked about a ledger for coaches anywhere anymore. Mm-hmm. And if you and if you need and if you you want to be successful, you need to come out ahead at the very least break even, right? And uh, this has been driven home with a sledgehammer. I think during this this coaching um, carousel cycle, I, I I still think that recruiting high school talent is important. I still think you need to do well and win the press conference on signing day. But what we're seeing is that Kalen DeBoer's first act as Alabama head coach is the first thing he's got to do is uh, assuming he doesn't retain. Gosh, even if if he loses fifty percent of the guys who are in the portal now, he's got to rebuild. Mm-hmm. He can't do that with high school players, even if they're four and five stars exclusively. So, um, we again, Venables and his pal Davo Sweeney, in particular, uh, have have uh, have got to, uh, to. Maybe they do have to reach the point of embracing the portal because that that is getting. If if if, if high school football recruiting is here, portal is here. Where I got I need a bigger screen. Um, <laughs> We got to get you some a good graphics package, better than closer. your hands. Yeah, now move my hands. So I feel like Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with <laughs> these things. It's got to be. It's about here now. I mean, it used to well, be here, and it's about here. Because at, at this point, the actions speak louder than than words. What call it an embrace and acceptance and understanding. Yeah. Oklahoma, the, the problems that they've had to address this off season, uh, running back room, adding an impact wide receiver, offensive line, um, a pass rusher. There may be someone on the roster who was recruited to Oklahoma out of high school who will compete for those snaps next year, but you can't look at adding a veteran running back from UT Martin who rushed for 1,300 yards last year, uh, adding an impact wide receiver for, from Purdue. All the work they've done on the offensive line and still might and say that the easiest way to address your problems, and, and fortunately for, for Oklahoma, Brent Venables has come to that realization as well, is through the portal. It's mm-hmm. the it's a quick fix that that comes with connotations, but it's the way to immediately address your needs when you, you know, you, you can recruit a great class. They've had back-to-back top 10 classes. They've brought in big guys, but I don't think, you know, counting on, let's say five-star running back Taylor Tatum next year is the sooner solution at running back. And there are other solutions. And you know that just about every other program at the top of the country is embracing those solutions. So Oklahoma, <laughs> is as well you look at, at Dabo if you're a Clemson fan you might say why are we the program that is is waiting is, is behind on this mm-hmm. Oklahoma fortunately for all the things that Brent Venables has brought in that uh imitate Dabo Sweeney his approach to the portal has been different and yeah. so embrace acceptance whatever it is um they've 
certainly attacked it. What list were you thinking about in terms of event? Were you talking about Alabama? I was, I professionally, a professional duty of mine last week was to at least consider at what point Brent Venables, who is a Jimmy, Jimmy Sexton client for what it's worth, would have needed to, would, I would have had to at least, you know, maybe clear my weekend schedule just in case. I, I don't think there, I don't think we were anywhere near there. I'm just saying, yeah, no, thought I crossed no, my mind of how far down the list we'd go. I can say this as well. Uh, what Friday, I think actually, right as the DeBoer news was developing, uh, I was at the OU Board of Regents meeting. They gave out uh, ex- extensions, new contracts to every Venables assistant who is currently on staff. The next day, they announced Zach Alley will know his contract details in March, but also mentioned from President Joe Harris that a contract, an updated deal for Brent Venables is probably in the works. And mm-hmm. at this point, you can almost just schedule those things, right? Yeah. You can anticipate that most every offseason, a coach who has a good year is going to get something bumped up. That is a modern reality of, of major college football. I couldn't believe uh, – I wrote something about Sark as a candidate for Alabama mm-hmm. before he officially eliminated himself with the video. I can't believe – this is according to USA Today's database, which is sort of a go-to, isn't it, when it comes mm-hmm. to this stuff? They, they do a uh, – Steve Berkowitz and those guys do a terrific job tabulating uh, – uh, salaries and, and and presenting them for everyone to see. It's a fantastic tool in our business. It's it's a pretty cool tool for for our audience for those who are just curious about the money the money game that college football has become. I couldn't believe Eli that Sark made essentially half of what Saban did. Yeah, I, I mean he's like mid tier paid in the Big Twelve as of that as of this past season. I bet that's going to change. But I was like, whoa. I, I was. They, just, they got him in on I, a good number. Was that his first extension at Texas? Uh, the one he's about to sign. Had he I signed any others? I, I mean, I'm asking you a question. You might not know the answer I to. No, yeah, I don't. I'm not. Sh- yeah, you have to. Then you have to think. Well, what would what, what would have been the the inflection point for that to happen? And I'm not sure no. until this season there was one. Because you had 21. That was a f- disappointing season. 22 is better, better uh, right. but it wasn't until this year. Yeah, I guess I'm, perhaps I'm surprised they didn't lock him up with something sooner mm-hmm. uh, after the playoff. But you think about it, that was January 1 and yeah. it's January 16th. We're talking Do I have yeah. my dates, right? 17th. Um, maybe there it was in the works anyhow uh, and then got a nice little push on the figures uh, once Nick Saban vacated his seat. Also very partial to uh, here. Here was here was my birthday uh, wish come true during the cycle. Uh, we we are not hiding it anymore. Partial to uh, University of Kansas every now and then. Kind of like what Lance Leipold's about and what he's doing with Jayhawk football. Very happy he didn't grab Washington because I I legit I legit worried that was happening. I mean, what a world for Kansas football. <laughs> the two these two headlines. One. Uh, National runner-up pursuing Kansas football coach, and then number two, Kansas football coach turns down Big Twelve, you know, ascendant Big Twelve program and, oh, and no. current national runner-up. How about that? Yeah, um, you might have a good one in in one Lance Leipold. Um, speaking of Kansas, wrote something coming out of the basketball game in Lawrence Saturday involving the Sooners about Allen Fieldhouse. Didn't have anything to do with the game. I thought it was uh, more interesting to write about OU's last appearance at Allen Fieldhouse as a Big 12 conference member. Got some help from Joe Castiglione and Toby Rowland on that. That's on the website if you haven't read it. I enjoyed writing it. Hopefully you enjoyed reading it. But uh, Eli, I brought you on not to talk about that, but about what you wrote Saturday 
uh, decided to stay home uh, and not go to Lawrence for the game for a good reason. You uh, drove a few miles down 35 to more, right? That's where mm-hmm. they had a celebration of life for uh, two sport uh, star slash legend. I, I think he falls somewhere in between Ryan minor. Uh, certainly in, in, in the context of nineties, uh, Oklahoma sports legend fits. Cause he did things at OU basketball and baseball wise that hadn't been done in a very long time and really ha- haven't been done since in terms of contributions to, to two sports. Uh, died tragically of colon cancer. What two weeks shy of his 50th birthday? I think I'm taking this off Correct. your story. Is that right? Yeah, you, yeah. You attended his service. Wrote a really moving uh, tribute and piece, whatever you want to call it. Talked to some very important people connected to Ryan Miner, and I definitely wanted to give that some more space, give you a chance to address your experience and tell people what you learned about someone who came be- before you did. Well, I appreciate that. And I guess, you know, it, it starts for me at, say, the personal point. But in my job, I'm familiar with who Ryan Miner is, uh, the things he did at OU, the era he played in. But it was before my time and, and certainly before I was ever in the state. You know, it, it's the stories about Ryan Miner and the way people react to that name and that legacy that I think speaks to something. I, you know, I called him a larger than life sooner in the story. Um, but that is where Ryan Miner was something bigger than just a guy who played football, uh, excuse me, basketball and baseball mm-hmm. um, at the University of Oklahoma. And it's in the stories of, you know, even listening to Todd Lisenby, our sellout crowd colleague, who would have been growing up around the time where, you know, small town guys in, in this state, whether you're talking about Ryan and Damon Miner or Bryant Reeves uh, at Oklahoma State, were the stars in this state. And Ryan Miner. Um, by virtue of what he could do on a basketball court, what he could do on a baseball court, uh, field, and the fact that he could do it together, I, I learned in some of the reporting. You know, he there were there were years where he wouldn't pick up a baseball bat until the end of basketball season, mm-hmm. and then he would just jump on over to Mitchell Park, and it'd be no problem. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I hung around this past weekend. Um, uh, you know, it's worth noting Ryan Miner passed away uh, a couple days before Christmas, and his funeral. Um, was held last month uh, in in Maryland, where he had settled after his playing career with the Baltimore Orioles, uh, and that was a community that was very important to him. So this celebration of life, a was you know removed from the funeral, um, and also was really for people in Oklahoma, that that other community of, of Ryan Miners, really that Norman community, and that was that you know was a large part of the crowd, and and the, those who spoke, you know, was everyone from Richard Megley, is his high school coach in, in Hammond. Um, and then from there, former Billy Tubbs uh, assistants, Tommy Tubbs was there, uh, Mike Anderson, bunch of former teammates, uh, Rich Hills, Rich Gu- uh, Rick Gutierrez. Um, and it was for me just to sit there and listen and then to talk to some of these folks was absolutely enlightening. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the story of Ryan Miner as much uh, the person who was this larger than life figure um, as it was the, the athlete that so many enjoyed watching. Love the story of Cal- people in, in, in Baltimore who have any uh, affinity with the Orioles. I think no Ryan Miner is the guy who replaced Cal Ripken Jr., right, when, when the streak mm-hmm. ended. And Ripken enters your, story, enters your story fairly early, but it's not maybe for the reason that folks will expect. This, wasn't, this isn't just he's the answer to an Orioles trivia question. This is the Orioles legend seeking Miner out to thank him right for how he treated his son in the in the organization once 
Essentially, yeah. I mean, this this encapsulated things. It's why I led the story with it. Um, I spoke to Ryan Gaines, who's the director of baseball operations uh, at OU. Uh, he spoke at the at the service, and he also uh, would have been a student trainer at OU during Ryan Miner's time there. Mm-hmm. And it was 2019 that Cal Ripken came to Oklahoma City with his foundation. Even Ryan uh, Gaines wasn't really sure the, the exact connection of why Oklahoma City Public Schools. But Cal Ripken was here. And he just drove up with with Skip Johnson uh, to go see Cal Ripken. Any chance to go see the Iron Man? You go take. Uh, and, and naturally, what comes up is Ryan Miner then, and the connection of ending the streak. And Cal Ripken had fond memories of that of, of being his teammate. But really, it was 20 years later that Ryan Miner was managing. Uh, I think it's Ryan Ripken, uh, his Cal's son, who was struggling in like low A ball, and Ryan Miner made a real impact not only on uh ryan ripkin but on cal in terms of the way he treated his son the way he supported his son and i i think there there you go you could apply that to just about everybody who who i spoke to in that story it was yes he was this as an athlete here's what he did on the field or the court but let me also tell you a story that was a whole lot more meaningful about who this guy was and uh, you know you tend to hear those a lot in memorial service settings and all that but um it was that through line was through almost every story of yes he was this and you you all saw this on the field but here's who he was uh you know when when he wasn't out there yeah the vines of bedlam sort of run through everything in the state as well when it comes to sports and there was another passage a very brief passage of your your piece that had minor visiting osu uh considering osu out of hammond being shown around by an assistant coach named Bill Self at uh, at, o- at Oklahoma State, and yeah, no, no, go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead. No, no, I uh, Bill was there to do his job as sort of the tour guide on behalf of OSU basketball, but someone dropped dropped that baseball ball. Yeah, they dropped someone, the ball. Someone dr- literally dropped the ball in the baseball program and no showed. That's the story goes and just sort of opened the door for them to go down to Norman and Larry Koshel helped close the deal. Billy Tubbs was the hoops coach, signed, sealed, delivered. I think there was a trip to Denny's somewhere in there. Uh, (laughs) And, and that, you know, there's history. Who knows how how differently things go um, if, if the ball's not dropped in Stillwater, but uh, even, you know, those relationships, Billy Tubbs um, only spent two seasons coaching Ryan Miner and really the best of Ryan Miner came with Kelvin Sampson yeah, uh, in his tenure. But, you know, even uh, I thought this was a nice touch. I was, I was curious about who would be there. And, you know, there were plenty of folks who I think would have been if they could have been. But um, Porter Moser and the Sooners were in Lawrence. Joe Castiglione right. was with the program in Lawrence. Kelvin Sampson, I think they were playing. Houston was at TCU. So those who could not attend did record some, some messages sure. that played right at the very beginning. And Kelvin Sampson really told some some great stories just through that. One of them that made the piece was this meeting really early in his tenure um, where he brought the team in and said, tell me all your strengths. And, uh, you know, Calvin Curry and Dion Barnes and a lot of familiar names from that era. You know, hey, I've got a great jump shot. I think Kelvin said, I got concerned when Calvin Curry said jump shot with his strength. It was going to be a long season. But where the story ends is they get through that list and Kelvin Sampson just wipes the board and writes down Ryan Miner and said, you know, you may not, you you may not know it yet. You may not want to know it yet, but this is our best player and we're going to play through him. And uh, direct quote, Kelvin Sampson said, 
uh, the best thing that ever that happened to me at Oklahoma was Ryan Miner, mm-hmm. and and those again were were the stories that got told um, yeah. on Saturday, and a really fitting memorial for, um, you know, you say legendary sooner. That's such a long list and starts often with football. But when you yeah. think about periods of time, I, I think if you go back. Mm-hmm. And you take that bird's eye of, of Oklahoma in that moment in time. Yeah. Um, 94, 95 with the baseball championship and what he was doing on the basketball court. Um, Ryan Miner was as big as it got. No, that's right. And if people associated OU, the Samson era with, with Hollis Price and Qantas White and Evie and the team that, that almost uh, won a title before uh, Indiana snuck one through, um, it, it really, the, the guy, the conduit, between the fan base and Kelvin Sampson was, was minor, right? That's, mm. that's who, that's who, it, he's the one that in, essentially introduced us as to what Kelvin Sampson could be as Oklahoma basketball coach. And I, it, it was, it's important for folks to, to keep that in mind as they can consider legacies. Um, that's from this, the, you know, the sports standpoint, the athletic the contribution standpoint. I love that you came away, you know, how big we are, both of us on, on, people not players and uh nothing drives home people who were oh by the way players when when they were playing uh than remembrances uh often mm. it's unfortunate that a lot of times it happens after the fact right at someone's service or remembrance or or at a graveside somewhere but it but at least at least you can and uh this is another example of that so i i just i'm glad that you did the story and uh, it's not often I say you made a wrong decision not uh, paying a visit to Allen Fieldhouse. This is <laughs> certainly an exception that that needed to be made. I mean, so, anything to get out of a trip to Lawrence, but this was uh, a damn good reason to do it. I believe that. Um, okay. we. You know what? I think when we first started doing the show together, back when Sellout was launching, we, we thought mm-hmm. we might talk about the beautiful game a few times. Uh, that mantle has since... Uh, been left to you and our friend Todd Lizenby more than that it has anyone else. We got to work on that. We got to work we, on that. We need to, especially as we creep toward uh, uh, springtime, right? We we can't. We'll hit we'll hit softball hard. Something tells mm-hmm. me we can't just do softball. Um, I don't think. Maybe we can. We'll we'll find out. But um, we haven't talked uh, the beautiful game in a while, my friend. And um, before we get out of here, a couple of roster moves for our two respective favorite clubs. I. You, and if those of you who've hung in with us this long, thank you. If you need to do something else with your life because we're about to talk soccer, we understand. We're still going to talk about it. So and hang and, around. Maybe you'll learn something. I, oh, I'm sure you will. Probably something about us as much as Dortmund and uh, mm-hmm. Tottenham. But uh, Timo Warner's on Tottenham now. Jaden Sancho's on Dortmund. Should I be more excited or should you? I'm the Dortmund guy. Mm-hmm. You're the Tottenham guy. You're the, you just added Warner. I just added Sancho. What would you say? To I them? would say you should. Well, I ask you this. How do you feel about sequels, particularly to really good movies and live, sequels living up to the original? You're talking, that about, might be the challenge. you're talking about Sancho is what you're talking about. Correct. Because when he left Dortmund, um, perhaps too soon, as revisionist history now, uh, he had closed. I mean, he was an elite, elite, elite young footballer who I think we all thought was going to be the next one, uh, you know, joining the Premier League, going to Manchester United, all that. And it just hasn't panned out. So he returns to Dortmund after a pretty uneven spell, obviously under some, I don't think he really had a place under Eric Ten Hag anymore at Manchester United. So he comes back and 
everyone involved, I think, even Manchester United should be rooting for this to work out because for them, uh, it's either about resale value and per- perhaps him staying at Dortmund and getting purchased or, or mm-hmm. elsewhere. Uh, for Dortmund, uh, you can maybe speak more to where things stand with them, but they could probably use a guy like Jaden Sancho or at least the Jaden Sancho of old. And then really here, we talk about people, players. Uh, I hope for Jaden Sancho's sake that, especially before the Euros, that could be a really interesting component here as well in the summer, mm-hmm. that he just gets a chance to, to look like himself again mm-hmm. and to play and perhaps to have some of that pressure removed, whatever turmoil there was in Manchester is gone. So I, th- I think you should be more excited about your guy and getting him back. Um, and I know he was a favorite while he was there, so I hope he can he can regain some of that and maybe bring some of the magic back. I'm glad you adopted a hopeful tone for my sake because mm-hmm. that's what I was going to do for yours. Um, I'm hopeful that uh, Timo Werner can help out uh, Spurs. I'm a, I'm a little more skeptical, I think, uh, than I might be about Sancho having that successful sequel, second act at Dortmund. Uh, I'm a I'm a big uh, Mannschaft fan. Uh, my last name gives me away. Followed I followed German <laughs> soccer since the uh, PBS ran a Saturday afternoon show called Soccer Made in Germany in the '70s. Uh, and I'd come home from a Whippets, you know, winning 10 to nothing, sit down with my teammates and buddies, and we'd watch uh, Toby Charles narrate the highlights of the best Bundesliga game of the week on PBS <sighs> on Saturdays. It was glorious. I think you can <laughs> see this on YouTube. I hope so. I, I might need know. to go find it. it. Sounds fabulous. I should know. So I've been uh, I've been a German, uh, German national team supporter since. That's I've watched more Werner football that way than I have uh, when he was with Leipzig, I think at the height of his career, mm-hmm. I'm not a big Leipzig fan. It's one of the few Bundesliga teams I, I don't support, but I am a big uh, Werner supporter. I hope speaking of trying to find his way back to form, Eli, I hope he can do that with, uh, with your Spurs, but I, I hesitate to, to think that's going to happen. I still don't know if his confidence is right. Confidence in, in that, at that level of football is a lot of the story. And I, I don't know if the support system, and you could speak to this more than I could, I don't know if the support system is there for him to, uh, to get, um, you know, the, the, the inner uh, bolstering, the ego bolstering. But p- perhaps you could speak to that um, on behalf of your coach and your management. Well, in the face of disappointment, darkness, and degradation that comes with being a Tottenham supporter, <laughs> I am ever the optimist about Tottenham. So I am optimistic. To me, the, the key piece, we we're talking about Timo Werner, who tore it up at Leipzig under the right system for him uh, in like 20, I think 18, 19. He just lit it up. Yep. And maybe even 19, 20. Then he came to Chelsea with the expectation of basically doing that there, being the guy, being the main striker. And it went, it depends on what your definition of good is. He started in a Champions League final that they won. Uh, at the same time, uh, he became known for his impressive misses um, and ultimately not doing well enough to uh, to, st- to land in, at Chelsea. The difference this time around with Spurs, he's not showing up to be the guy. He's showing up in a system where his speed, which is easily the best part of his game, is going to be used as much to be an outlet. And he had an assist in his first start uh, against Manchester United. But I think as much to score goals or, or looked upon to, to be a contributor as it is maybe he just stretches an opposing defense. There's no way when he's on the pitch, you're not aware of his speed and his threat. Mm-hmm. And so I'd, I'd like to think it's about expectation. He is not being brought in to score 20 goals. Yeah. And I, I, I hope that under that lack of expectation and in what has been an exceptionally positive 
uh, Tottenham side under Ange Postacoglu that he seems to be getting the very best out of guys that he can have some kind of resurgence. Will he be at Tottenham beyond these six months? I don't know. Um, I think they have a buyback, a buy clause for like 20 million. We'll see if he lives up to that. But I am optimistic that it will be a positive ending. A question for you that might be, I don't know, optimistic or negative. Jose Mourinho is now available after he was sacked at Roma um, in the week. Oh, man. I personally believe his very best as a club manager is behind him. However, I think he is a brilliant sort of uh, herd mentality guy or, you know, could really rally a group in a tournament style tournament uh, event. And I wonder if the U.S. men's national team in 2026 could benefit from the oh. leadership of one Jose Mourinho. What do we think? I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't want it. I don't, <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want it on a bar on the cut rate. I don't want to bargain Jose Mourinho on. I don't want him anywhere near the U S men's national team because <laughs> I like where the U S men's national team sits right now. I like the form of about every player. I know Reyna is about to leave Dortmund back to Dortmund, but I like the form of just about every important player on that team. And if there's one manager Speaking of ego and, and the beautiful game, would let ego get in the way of trampling, right? The the the, the egos of of the of the people who matter, the players in this case, it would be Josie Mourinho. No, no, no. Please no. Please no. Are you sure you're not just standing by Greg Berhalter because you've got a similar haircut? I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying that Berhalter is the answer. I've never I still have trying to come to terms with that answer with the answer whether he's the answer. Mm-hmm. I just know who isn't the answer. Could be Jose Mourinho. Could be. Could be. So, Mm. man. Well, we could we could do another thirty minutes, so we could let you like, subscribe, and make your own comments on Josie Mourinho's future and Gio Reyna's future, and whether uh, Werner will succeed at Spurs more than Sancho will at Dortmund. Because I know you're racing right now to the Mind Games YouTube channel to leave comments and hit like, subscribe, and do all the other things cool kids do nowadays. Thank you for doing so if you do do so. Thank you for tuning in. We do not take that for granted. We know there are a lot of platforms out there for you to choose from when it comes to content these days. We at Sellout Crowd thrive to give you the best and occasionally the most entertaining. It's pretty easy to do with Eli on board. I'm glad he was with me this week. We'll come at you again next week on Mind Games. Jackal and Musgrove gets a big thank you for producing. Michael Martin and Michael Lane for their work behind the scenes as well. Please stay warm, stay safe, be kind, and we will talk to you soon.